0: Presbyterian Church and to the service of worship What a delight to hear you all visiting and chatting with one another. It's an awfully nice thing to have to shout over the fellowship that is happening in the sanctuary. (laughs) If you are a visitor in our midst, we want to say an especially warm word of welcome to you this morning. We do invite you following worship to head out into the atrium, to stop by the atrium desk where you might find welcome bags that have information about the life and ministry of this congregation, as well as to enjoy some fellowship and snacks with one another. If you are looking to get more deeply connected to this church home, there are Connect cards in the pew racks in front of you. On one side is the Connect card and the opportunity to fill that out, and on the back side is a prayer card. If you have a joy or a concern or a prayer that the pastors might lift up for you, we invite you to fill out that prayer card and to drop it in the offering plate at the appropriate time during worship. It is our privilege to pray with you and for you and to walk alongside of you on your journey of faith. On the back page of your worship bulletin, you will find announcements about ministry happenings in the life of this congregation. We invite you to read through those and find ways to get connected and involved. Just to lift up a few things for you this morning, next Sunday at 9 a.m. in Jubilee Hall, our Courts and Ports mission trip, which went several weeks ago to witness to things happening on the border, will share a talk back about their time. And so from 9 to 9.45, join us for coffee and refreshments and an opportunity for to hear from them. And as you all are enjoying fellowship with one another in the sanctuary, the summer always provides us an opportunity to visit in a more extensive way with one another. And so following worship, there is popcorn and animal crackers, snacks, and a wonderful time um, to visit further following worship. Each week during the summer, we are exploring the sacred in the midst of the ordinary, the ways that our lives, though seemingly ordinary, are infused with God's presence. This morning, we are reflecting on the sacred nature of work, the work that calls us to in the world and in our lives. It might interest you to know that in my life so far, I have worked as a babysitter, a golf cart driver, a chaplain, a writer, a cocktail waitress, and a pastor. Those are just the jobs I have been paid for, and I still haven't given up on magazine editor, movie star, and water girl for the Duke basketball team. I'll let you know how those work out. Friends, the truth is, in all our living, our working, our paid, and our unpaid work, our office working, and our retirement, we belong to God. It is in God in whom we live and move and have our being. So let us worship that holy God this day.
1: called to worship. In sleeping and in waking, God is present. In eating and in playing, God is present. In losing keys, reading a book, and sitting in traffic, God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God. God's grace. Let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. God of each moment, we tend to separate our lives into work and play, labor and rest. We are prone to see the world through binaries and categorizing things accordingly. We have trouble allowing our faith to inform the entirety of our lives. We struggle to see our work as a calling or a means by which we can enact our beliefs. Remind us that all of our work is for your glory, and help us to act accordingly. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: it's time, I'd like to invite the children forward for our time together. Good morning!
2: Good
0: morning! Awesome! It's so nice to see you guys this morning. Has anybody ever noticed that shoes come in all kinds of different types and sizes and shapes? Does anybody have their church shoes on today? Yeah? Good. Can I see your church shoes? You do? You have church shoes on today. What about... Does anybody have some of these shoes? Yeah, flip-flops. Maybe you wear those in the summer because it gets... It gets hot. What about, what about these shoes? You do? What, these are soccer shoes. Anybody have some of these shoes? You do. All right. What, what, what about these shoes? Snow? <laughs> Nobody has fancy shoes? You have fancy shoes. So does anybody take their shoes off when they go in their house? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, it's concrete. So some, maybe some of you take your shoes off when you go into the house. In some cultures, you always take your shoes off when you go into somebody's home. And in our Bible story today that we're going to hear from the book of Exodus, God meets Moses and he asks Moses to take off his shoes. God says to Moses, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. Why might the ground be where God where Moses is standing be holy? Why would God say that? Any ideas? So God says, the ground is holy because God is there and anywhere that God is is holy. And God is inviting Moses to lead. Does anybody have something that they're good at that they feel like they, God could use? You good at some things? You are wonderful at helping your parents. Boating and cooking, a very talented crowd. I love it. God uses all of our working, all of our being, and all the things that we're good at. So no matter what kind of shoes we're wearing, whether we're in church with our, ch- our fancy church shoes, or whether we're at the beach or the pool with our flip-flops or on the soc- with our soccer shoes, God can use our work to do great things. Friends, will you pray with me? you repeat after me? Dear God, God, we are standing standing on holy ground. ground. Thank you for using us us to do your work work in in the world. Amen. Thank you, friends, for spending time with us. You can return to your seats this morning.
3: Family of faith, as we prepare to hear scripture read aloud, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Good and holy God, we come to you today hungry for your word, hungry for a reminder of our call in our lives, hungry for a moment that feels like holy ground. So be with us this morning. Reveal your truth in scripture. And give us the wisdom to hear and receive it. In your name we pray. Amen.
4: So we continue our summer sermon series. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. You need to know that we've been engaging in a conversation all summer, um, a conversation uh, with the headline, A Sacred Ordinary Life. We've been uh, exploring together how all facets of our lives um, are indeed holy and sacred, even uh, losing keys. I got to tell you, I love it when our children stand up and call us to worship and say, even when we lose our keys because I blame my kids for moving my keys around the house all the time. So I'm grateful uh, that those moments can remind us that we are often lost and we want to be found. This morning, we're going to explore um, the sacredness, the holiness of work. And so we're going to turn to Exodus into the third chapter of Exodus, when God calls someone to a new way of life when that person is at work. So, listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day from the third chapter of Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law Jethro, who was the priest of Midian. He led his uh, flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked. And the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this, great sight and at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place Indeed, I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, come, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this very mountain. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover here just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and now. And breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. So I got my first job when I was 15 years old. It was a part-time job, of course. In fact, it was a a summer job. The hours were as needed. One of my buddies on the baseball team, his uh, parents, had several hay fields, and they would call a crew of us on Saturday mornings to go haul hay. We were paid $6 an hour cash. And since we're in Texas and you'll want to know, uh, we hauled 50 pound bales of hay. We were uh, invited to choose. We could either choose to stand on the flatbed behind the tractor that baled the hay, or we could go into the barn and stack the hay as high as we possibly could. The pro to being on the back of the trailer was while you didn't have any shade, you at least had some air that was moving around you. The problem with being in the barn was you didn't have any air that would move, even though you had a bunch of shade. A full day of hauling hay, a full day of hauling hay would net me just under $50. And a drink of my choice at the gas station on the way home, which was usually an orange Gatorade that was ice cold. I got to tell you, looking back on it, I think that those were the hardest $48 that I have ever made in my life. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have been a babysitter in the park cities and made $48 in a couple hours. (laughs) And I would have drank the Gatorade out of their refrigerator. <laughs> that, first kinda, that first job began a string of all kinds of jobs for me. From working in a shoe store, to then a family office, a law firm, a summer camp, and then uh, numerous churches. I got to tell you, uh, none of those jobs are what you would call a, a vocation in the traditional sense. And yet there were people that I worked around all the time that that worked in these settings full-time. They spent their lives working as clerks and and lawyers and secretaries and directors and so on. Was that their vocation? Uh, A a different way to ask, was that what they were made to do, created for, called to? I can remember uh, being a teenager and I was introduced to the theologian Frederick Buechner, a youth advisor at my church, gave me his book entitled Now and Then. I remember I read that entire book in one sitting on a Saturday afternoon on the screened-in porch of my parents' home. It was like tasting water for the first time. I couldn't get a, enough of it. I went on to read every book that Frederick Beekner wrote in the next three months And yes, at the time, I thought this was completely normal behavior for a 16-year-old. I should have known then that I would end up in the ministry. Beekner's take on vocation gets quoted often. Beekner says that vocation is where your deepest joy and the world's greatest need, where they collide. Where your greatest joy... In the world's greatest need, where they meet, I've used Bigner's words uh, to help guide people who are discerning a call in their lives. I've turned to those words uh, for discernment in my own life, and I continue to turn to them because they suggest that our lives have a, a deeper purpose, a greater meaning than we could ever imagine that our lives are literally made for something. Who doesn't hunger for that type of fulfillment? I don't know. I think sometimes we often think, uh, we think of vocation as the one thing we are called to do for our entire lives. And yet, I suspect, like you, I look back over my life, and I could never have imagined my life taking the shape and the form that it has taken I mean, if you would have told me when I was 16 years old in South Carolina that I would be standing in this pulpit in Dallas, Texas this morning as your senior pastor, I would have looked at you like you were off. (laughs) That thought would have been as foreign to me as going to France for the summer. And yet there have been thousands of moments. There have been thousands of moments that have led us to this very moment Thousands of moments that have led us to this sanctuary this morning. Thousands of what we would consider tiny moments that have led us to a life that we could have never arrived at on our own. Could you have imagined being here, sitting in this sanctuary, sitting next to who you're sitting next to this morning when you were 16? In our passage this morning, uh, Moses could have never imagined the life that God was leading him toward. Moses was in hiding, in fact. He was in hiding in Midian after killing an Egyptian man. Moses fled to Midian, which is uh, 265 miles southeast of Egypt. Moses fled because he was in fear of the execution that awaited him back in Egypt. But Moses has built a life in Midian now. He's married a local priest, daughter. He has a family and is, has a livelihood. It is based on tending his father-in-law's sheep. Moses is going about uh, his daily work when he's encountered by the holy in a burning bush. The burning uh, bush is God calling Moses to make an external change in his life. God is calling Moses to leave his life in Midian, to go back to Egypt and lead God's people out of slavery. Moses is being called to a a different life, a new way of being, a life beyond all that he could have ever imagined. Moses is a murderer, hiding out in Egypt, watching over his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, and God wants him to lead God's people out of slavery. Talk about a job transfer. But before Moses is able to make an external change in his life, Moses has to make an internal change. Moses uh, has to wrestle with all the voices... In his head as to why he is not qualified he has to wrestle with all the ways that he feels inadequate he has to wrestle with all the ways that he feels like he doesn't measure up all the places that he doesn't feel like he is capable of doing what God has called him to do Moses goes 12 rounds with God and each time, God assures Moses that he's capable. God, you know, I, I, I can't speak that well. I have a stutter. Moses, you are enough. God, I can't. Who am I to go back to Pharaoh? What if I walk in there and they lead me to my death? Moses, you're capable. God, I can't. Suppose they don't believe me. Moses, I'm going to be there to help you. As I've been wrestling with the text this week, it seems to me that these internal changes for Moses are more important than the external change that Moses is called to. Moses had to let go of his fear. Moses had to let go of his sense of inadequacy. Moses has to trust that through the power of God, that he is enough. The internal changes, the tiny changes led Moses to one giant external change that led him to a different way of life, to a different way of being in the world. I think that Moses and his experience through the burning bush helped him to understand that vocation was first rooted in his identity His vocation was first rooted in his identity as belonging first and foremost to God. Moses came to see that his life, all parts of his life, belonged to God. Moses came to see that there was actually no separation between Moses' faith life and Moses' work life. There was no difference between Moses' personal life and Moses' faith in God. Moses was at work when God called him. And even though the type of work that he was called to did change, Moses found his place in God's family. He found through God's power he was enough. Which leads me to wonder, what if vocation is less about what we do? What if vocation is, is much less about what we do and more about how we go about doing whatever it is that we do? What if vocation is first about understanding that our identity, our lives, are first rooted in God and then all parts of our lives are places for us to live out our faith? What if vocation is about understanding that we in fact do not have a church life and a work life? that we actually don't have a a, a personal life and a faith life. What if we understood vocation is the invitation to live out our identity in Christ in all places in our life? What if we understood vocation in this way? That our identity as as people of God, as children of God, that that identity shines through all that we do, how we parent, how we work, how we are a spouse or a partner, how we are a friend. You see, my dear friends, when we come to see our lives this way, we come to see that God, in fact, does work through us in all facets of our lives. And that call has been hardwired in each and every one of us. Because God has created us and claimed us and called us good and children of the covenant. That's the promises that we're about to affirm right here in baptism in two minutes. You see, when we live out of that identity... I believe that we get a glimpse of of, of the holy. In the midst of the ordinary, we come to see our lives and the lives of others as sacred. Miss Lucille uh, was the receptionist at Olivia's preschool in Atlanta. But you need to know that Miss Lucille was uh, not just the receptionist, even though uh, it had her name right there. Lucille, and it had receptionist right underneath it. Lucille was uh, the greeter. She was uh, the chaplain. She was the therapist. She was uh, what some leadership books are now calling the culture setter of the entire preschool. You see, every single morning, Miss Lucille would stand at the front desk of that preschool, and she would greet every parent and every child by name. Good morning, Olivia Mead. how we doing this Tuesday? You know it's going to be a great Tuesday, Miss Olivia, you're going to have a good day, you're going to have a good time today, you know your teachers cannot wait to see you. And remember this, Olivia, you're a blessing. Good morning, Isabella, we feeling better? I know yesterday our tummy hurt, but don't worry, we're not going to have serve that for lunch ever again. You're going to have a great day. Did you pick out those shoes? Your teachers are never going to be able to to chase you down in those shoes. I bet you're the fastest kid in the whole school when you wear those shoes. I used to love hearing Miss Lucille greet people. Though I got to tell you, uh, I loved hearing Miss Lucille greet high-strung, first-time parents. (laughs) Like me good morning dad I know yesterday was tough I could see it written all over your face when you walked out of here but you need to know this today's going to be better don't you worry about a thing you're going to be fine today you need to know that she's going to be safe don't you worry about her if we need you we'll call you I know she's your first but you need to remember this we love her She loves us. So you go on, have a really good day, and you don't worry about us here. Miss Lucille was not just the receptionist. Miss Lucille lived out of a a deeper identity than her job title. Miss Lucille saw every person who walked in those doors as a beloved child of God. And she greeted every single one of us like we belonged to her. I have to say, Miss Lucille radiated the love of God. You could feel it. It was palpable as soon as you walked in the door. You can feel it. When you encounter someone who is living out of a deeper identity, someone who is living out of their faith in every moment, Do you know that you have that opportunity? Each and every one of us have that opportunity every day and every moment of our lives. The invitation is the same. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a, or a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a minister or a receptionist. It doesn't matter if you're a banker or you're in sales. The invitation is the same because every type of work can be a vocation when it is done to the glory of God. When our hearts are open to God's presence in our everyday encounters, every type of work can spread God's light and goodness in the world our work can do that by the grace of God when we remember who we are and whose we are and live out of that identity. But it can be scary to do that, it can be scary to let your guard down. We could be like Moses, we may have some questions. But I want you to remember, your fear and your questions are not too big for God. So the question for us this day is this, what internal change do we need to make today? What internal voice do you need to address and take up with God? As you prepare to answer these questions in your life this week, you should also be prepared to take off your shoes because in answering these questions, you will come to see your entire life, even your work, as holy and sacred ground. So in the words of Miss Lucille, have a great Sunday. You're going to have a great day. Go to lunch with your family, call your mama, and hug those kids so, so tight. And say your prayers before you go to bed. Amen.
3: Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, we are invited to respond. So I invite you to rise, either in body or in spirit, and join me in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and and in in Jesus Christ, Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the
0: seated. Friends, as we prepare to pray as one voice for our church and our community and our world, I would invite you to take note of those joys and concerns that are listed on the back page of your worship bulletin, that you might remember those members and friends in your prayers in the days and weeks ahead. We also do invite you following worship to head through the doors to your left and stop by the tables that are underneath the windows just outside the door. Those tables have care letters for those in this community who are experiencing joys or concerns, and we invite you to sign those letters, whether you know those individuals or not, that your signature would be a word of hope and encouragement to them at this time in their lives. We do have some joys just to lift up this morning. We give thanks for our mission team in Puerto Rico. They returned this evening and are grateful for all of their good work. As you leave worship today, you are also invited to stop by the photo wall, which has photos of all the things that have been happening in our ministry this summer, as well as places that you have found the sacred in the midst of the ordinary, including photos um, from the mission team of their recent week. And so we give thanks for their work. We also celebrate this morning with all of those families who are presenting their children for baptism and give thanks for you and for this moment in your lives. Friends, let us go before a loving God in prayer this day. Let us pray. God of the burning bush, we are indeed standing on holy ground. For you roused us from sleep this morning with the gift of a new day. You called us together today to worship, and you will send us out from here to participate in your kingdom work. On this Sabbath day, as we rest from the labors of life, we give you thanks for the abilities that you have granted each of us to love and to serve and to follow you. As we celebrate the good work that you give each of us to do, we remember and lift up to you this day all who long to work, but who cannot find a job. We remember and pray for any who desire to work more than they are currently able, and ask God that you would fill them with encouragement and hope for the future. God, we remember that you met Moses in the wilderness, and so ask that you would walk alongside all of those whose work life is in transition, from school to office, from career to retirement and any who are in search of your calling. God, guide them forward into new places where their gifts are lived in new ways for your sake. Loving Lord, speak peace to any who are afraid to stop working. And comfort all of those who work too much for too little. We thank you for the labor of all those who choose to work without pay. And any who have labored the journey with you and who are at the end of their life's work. God, our parent, we lift up to you with thanksgiving all those who do the hard work of parenting. And remember in particular these days all those families who are presenting their children for baptism. Surround them with your presence and grant them wisdom and patience to teach your love with their whole lives. That their children would continue to know of your great love for them. We also lift up to you this day, O God, all those who need daily healthy food and clean water and shelter and whose needs go unmet. We offer thanks and praise this day for those who do the work and partnership of mission and give particular thanks for our friends and partners in Puerto Rico. God, in the midst of pressures and boredoms of daily living, remind us again that you give each of us a call. A call to be your child, to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, to allow the Holy Spirit to blow through our lives, empowering us to tell the world of your marvelous deed, to keep your commandments, to love you and to love our neighbors, and to proclaim your good news wherever we are. Loving God, as we go forth from worship this day, open our eyes to your kingdom all around us. Hover especially close to any people or places who have deep need of you. And we pause in silence as we lift up to you those names who remain on our hearts this day. Loving God in whom we live and move and have our being, we offer all of this and the one whose work it was to love and heal, to teach and lead, and who came to teach us how to live and taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, part
3: of being a person of faith is paying attention to our work and how we might serve God in it. But another part of being a person of faith is supporting those who are already doing that work. So this Sunday and every Sunday for the month of June, we are donating all single dollar bills to support the ministry of Hope Supply Company, which provides basic resources and support for some of those in greatest need in our city. So friends, let us do the work of faith. Let us give generously. in us and fill us with every good thing so that all who hunger may share in our joy. Receive what we offer as testimony to your goodness and let these gifts lead to rejoicing in your church and all the world. In Jesus' name we pray.
4: Amen. Friends, you may be seated and I would invite our baptismal families to come forward to receive the sacrament of baptism. Friends, we gather around this font to remember that uh, there's nothing that we can do to ever earn God's love. That long before uh, we knew who God was, long before we uh, even recognized who our parents were, long before we even knew what love was or who we would love, God first reached out and claimed us as God's own, as beloved, as children of God And there are going to be seasons of our lives uh, when when we love God back and all is right in our relationship with God. And that's going to feel like we are living up to our baptismal vows. And then there are going to be seasons of our lives when we let go of God. There are going to be seasons uh, when we question and walk away, but it does not change the fact that God has first reached out to us. There is nothing in this life, nothing in this world that would ever cause God to let go of us. So in the waters of baptism, that is the claim that we celebrate this day with these beautiful children, all five of them. That long before they knew who God was, that God has already said I love you and you belong to me. So friends, I invite you to remember your baptism this day. That is to say, to remember these holy and sacred claims on your very life.
5: On behalf of the session, I present Hattie Ann Charles, Madison Shelby Como, Louise May Kanzila, Coleman Rep Armstrong, and Owen Armstrong Roberts to be baptized.
4: So Lori and Wes and Shelby and Matt and Jenny and Jamie, Lindsay and Bo, Meredith and Michael, do you desire for your child to be baptized? If so, please say, "I I do. Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate? that life is stronger than death, and that Christ Jesus is strongest of all? If so, please say, I do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all that you say and all that you do? If so, please say, I will. Do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for them, and to remember for yourself and your child that they belong first and always to the love of God which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord. If so, please say, I do.
5: Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Hattie, Maddie, Louise, Coleman, and Owen with love and prayer, through teaching and service, encouraging them to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you? We do. Let us pray.
4: Holy God, this water is ordinary, but in this water you make extraordinary promises to Hattie and Maddie, Louise, Coleman, and Owen. For it's in this water that you promise to claim them as your own. It is in this water you promise to wrap them in your love. It is in this water, O oh God, that you seal each of them with a new identity. Child of the covenant. God, it's always been this way with you. It's always been this way with you and water. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood you gave righteousness a new start. It was through the waters of the Red Sea you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. So send your spirit again over this water, we pray, O God. Surround Hattie and Maddie and Louise and Coleman and Owen. Surround them with your grace as they receive a visible sign of it and renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep belonging so that with these young ones we may go from here in joy as your beloved family for we pray in Christ's holy name amen by what name shall this child be baptized I know. Hattie, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. Amen. I got it, Mom. By what name shall this child be baptized?
5: Owen Armstrong.
4: Come here, Owen. Come here, buddy. Hi. Owen Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're in trouble. Owen Armstrong, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, for you are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. You are a beloved child of God. Amen. By what name shall this child be baptized? Oh, Coleman Rep. Come here, buddy. Oh, I know. I know. Coleman Rep, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. Amen. You got him, Dad? All right. By what name shall this child be baptized? Madison, come here. Hi. Mom and Dad are right there. Okay. Madison. Madison, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. You are a beloved child of God. Amen. I don't think she wants to go back. <laughs> Got her? All right. By what name shall this child be baptized? Louise May. All right, Louise May.
2: Hi. Hello.
4: Louise May. Child of the Covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. You are a beloved child of God. Amen.
5: Hattie Ann Charles, Madison Shelby Shelby Como, Louise May Conzila, Coleman Rep. Armstrong and Owen Armstrong Roberts are now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made them members of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. So little
4: ones, these are your extended family. These are going to be your aunts and your uncles and they're going to teach you where the water fountain is and they're going to teach you about the stories of Jesus and they're going to make sure every single Sunday that you're here that you remember that you are a child of God, that you belong to God, and that you are loved. So it's time for you to meet your extended family. I would invite our other ministers forward. Friends, it is time for us to greet the newest members of our family. So please join me in singing. So it is our custom here at Preston Hollow to give a candle on the occasion of baptism for this reason. We hope on this day next year that you will light this candle in your home and that you will tell your child the story of their baptism. How there were five children baptized that day and really not many people cried. (laughs) And I want you to remind them that they are loved and every time they walk in this church, That they should be reminded that they're loved, that they're a child of God, and they belong to God forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, will you please stand with me and join me in singing our closing hymn. I don't really want to hear it. promised all five of these children that they belong to God, that they were loved by God long before they will ever know who God is. That promise is true for you. It's true for me. So go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world and live as though it were true through every moment of every day. As you go, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short Grace to raise something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all and guide us in all our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. Amen. Amen.